Good morning. It's great to see you here. Good morning to all of you joining us online. Uh, I want to begin uh, with just a request for some prayer. I've got more information than I had first hour. Um, we have a missions trip going on right now to Dearborn um, in Detroit, and uh, they got up this morning and one of the vans was gone. So we don't know if it's stolen or towed. This is my latest word. At any rate, we got 24 people trying to ride in a 112 passenger van. So it's a little bit of a challenge for them right now. And the good news is the van that's gone is our old church van. And we all hate that van anyway. So that's the good news. The bad news is they're stuck there with 24 people trying to figure out how to get transportation going right now. So if you don't mind, let's lift them up in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, I want to just pray for... uh, Dave and gang, um, that you would now work in, in the midst of their lives. Give them, give them peace and give them grace, Lord, as they deal with the situation. I pray that even in the midst of this, that, that uh, they would see you at work, Lord. And I pray for uh, just uh, arrangement of getting to and fro uh, where they need to go today, that you would be superintending over that, Lord. Um, we just lift up the situation with the van. Don't know if it's been towed. Don't know if it's been stolen. And I just bring... Pray you bring clarity in that regard, Lord, and I want to thank you, God, that in all these things, you're still God, and you're always in control. You always have a purpose and a reason, Lord, and so we just commit them to your perfect care this morning, in your name and by your blood, Jesus, amen. Um, We're going to go to the message now. This is kind of like an illustration for what I'm going to talk on this morning. It's not the one I wanted to use, but it'll be uh, something that's relevant. You'll see that in a few moments. Um, I want to open with a question. If you were talking to a friend and discussing the New Testament and the writers of the New Testament, who would you conclude is the most blunt, forthright writer of New Testament scripture? Would it be Paul? I would say Paul. I'm getting new respect for John in that regards. As we've gone through 1 John this, uh, here for several weeks and continuing on in the series from 1 John this morning, I'm beginning to realize that John is fairly blunt. He's very kind about it, but he's pretty direct and pretty forthright in what he writes. And I'm calling today's message Face the Facts because he's given us some facts that we just have to realize uh, and, and, and face up to. Um, now, one of the reasons we originally entered into 1 John was we're looking at identity here this year as our big theme. And John is really good in, in that regard of identifying who we are in Christ. And one thing that strikes me about John is that he had this really intimate, authentic relationship going on with Jesus Christ that I desire to have in my life, I desire for you to have. One thing about an authentic relationship like that, that is the natural outcome, is there's a lot of honesty. Now, I, don't, I hope you all have really good marriage relationships going on. But one of the things I appreciate about my wife is I can really have really honest conversation with her. And vice versa. Sometimes it's too honest, you know, but, but it, it, it's better to be that way than the other way. And I feel like John is just having this honest conversation with us today in the scripture. He's saying, listen, you just got to face some facts in life. This is just the way it's going to be. The era that we live in between Christ's first appearing and Christ's second appearing is an era of, of, of evil. There's a lot of antichrists going on 
year in our culture right now, a lot of things happening like that. And he's just revealing that today in this writing to us. And it's like a face to facts. We just got to understand the, the situation that we live in and, and face up to that situation. So with that bit of background, let me read to you this morning our scripture for today from 1 John chapter 2, um, verses 18 through 27. Dear children, this is definitely a term of endearment. You know, it's, it's beloved. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Some had left the church. That's what he's talking about here, okay? But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. That's for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as this anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has been taught you, remain in him. Okay, so John begins here noting we're in the last hour. We've been in the last hour for 2,000 years, right? The last hour is the time between the first coming of Christ and Christ's return. And I think it's our tendency to think, wow, this is a long last hour. It's been going on for a long time because we're looking at it from our perspective. But the Lord God has a different perspective. Um, he reveals that in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. Here's what is said. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. And this is re- referring to his return. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Uh, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So we're in this last hour. It feels like it's going on forever. But the reason it is is that God is merciful, amen? And he wants people, as many as possible, to be saved. Now, right after John says it's the last hour... He says, the time of the one Antichrist is coming. Now, here's why I use that language. There is a specific Antichrist coming that will be a sign that we are to the end of the age. All right? And and so uh, I want to just talk about that for a moment, kind of get it out of the way. It's not really what the scripture is about, but it's something that usually interests people. So I want to give us some perspective on the, the Antichrist who is to come. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll read some verses from this uh, chapter. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness, that's another label for Antichrist, is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or worshipped. 
so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. So this brings us to this introductory thought, and it's kind of a perspective on Antichrist here, okay? Uh, The Antichrist is a person, a specific person, who will set himself up in God's temple, claiming deity and proclaiming himself to be God. This will be one of the last signs of the age we live in. Then you know the return of Christ is imminent, super close. Now, I just wanted to clarify what John was saying here, okay? This isn't what this message is on. But this is how it begins, so I just want us to understand who is the Antichrist, what is that about? But then John goes on to explain what he's really getting at here. He says, hey, you heard the Antichrist is coming, but I want to tell you something else. There are many Antichrists at work right now, and will continue to be at work in the era that you find yourself in. Anti just means they're against Jesus Christ, they're opposed to Jesus Christ, they're going to teach against Jesus Christ, they're going to say that he's not real, they're going to oppose his deity. Um, He's he's saying there's a lot of that at work already and will continue to be at work. And John makes it clear we need to be on guard against such ones and stand firm in our faith against such uh, sources of attack. Do you ever wish you could escape hard times? I used to daydream a lot. I have a vivid imagination. Anybody relate to me on that? It serves me well. It's creative. Sometimes I have really creative thoughts because I'm daydreaming, but I found myself wherever I was living, staring out the kitchen window frequently and just daydreaming about not living there. Anybody relate to me that way? We've moved all over the Midwest, Vicki and I, over the years. And uh, some places I didn't necessarily want to be at. And I realized at one point, I think the Lord really rebuked me, that that was a sin. And he told me, be present where you're at. And minister where you're at, as unto me. And throw your shoulder into the work I have for you. And in other words, what what the Lord was telling me was face the facts of where you're at. Live there and be present, amen? And I think sometimes it's our tendency to wish that life wasn't the way it is and daydream and romanticize that it could be different. And what John is saying to us in a very blunt way today in in the scripture I read to you this morning is face up to what is your reality. You live in an evil age. There's going to be lots of antichrists at work. Understand, that's a situation you're in. Don't be surprised by it. So what I'm going to do in this message is super simple. I'm going to talk to you about three facts we need to face that John identified for us in this reading this morning. And that's going to be the essence of the message, okay? And we just got to face these facts and understand this is a part of our reality as Christ followers. Um, So here we go. Fact number one is this. Many antichrists have come and are now at work. John says that. That was going on in his day. It's still going on in our day. Uh, Paul, as he greets the Galatians in the book of Galatians, says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, this. Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this evil age. So we begin the service with praying for the van that it was towed, not, not stolen, you know. It's indicative of the age we live in. I don't know if you have, have you had any of those kind of problems in your life? I have. When I was in high school, I went to, I was in the Twin Cities. I brought my motorcycle engine in and overhauled it, and someone walked out of the school with it and stole it. So I lost my motorcycle engine. I had a motorcycle frame with no engine, Amen. I uh, was in college, 
And I had a car that I was repairing, and I had to park in my brother's shop in Brooklyn Park. I grew up in Brooklyn Park. And one day, I go there, and all the windows are smashed in. You know, and I go, rats. It's the age, we, it's where we live, it's what we live in, amen? I, I, I wasn't surprised by it, because that kind of stuff happened all the time where I lived. When my son was going to college in UND, a university in North Dakota, he had a little Dodge Neon, and it blew the engine uh, which if you know about the neon, that's pretty common. And this was an older one, and I said to Nate, you just earned yourself 50 bucks. Drive it to the junkyard, we're done with it. You know, that night, someone smashed all the windows in it. We thought that was pretty funny. Because it doesn't matter, right, amen? I said, aha, we don't care, you know. <laughs> so in a sort of perverse way, I, I thought it was funny. That's, that. This is why when you drive by the Norby household that night, all my cars are in the garage, even in Brookings, South Dakota. It's just a habit I formed early on in my life, and I'll never be able to break that habit. People say, why are you locking your car? I said, because of where I grew up. You just can't get over that, you know? But that's the reality of where we live, and that's what John is saying here in this scripture to us today. Understand where you live. And what's going on? And, uh, uh, you know, look at what we've been going through for the last few years here. My goodness. You know, we had this whatever pandemic thing. I don't even know how to classify it. All I remember is everybody wanted toilet paper at one point. And we didn't have toilet paper. You know, do you remember that? Do you remember? It's kind of like a foggy thing that, I mean, really? Toilet paper? Of all the things we're going to worry about is toilet paper? People were fighting over toilet paper? I mean, just don't wipe. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. And then, then that kind of starts settling down, right? And you think, oh, now we can maybe have some kind of economic recovery. Because it's been called the great resignation, what's going on here. And it really is. A lot of, a lot of uh, things are happening here that are economically um, unsettling. And then we have this Ukraine-Russia war thing going on, right? And you're going, really? And initially my thoughts were all those poor Russian people because they're going to get, you know, uh, put into this economic trouble with all the sanctions. And so the, they run out right away and start buying goods because they know their money's not going to be any good, right? Well, now our gas goes up, even though we dumped 60 million barrels of oil into the system, right? And being from North Dakota, I'm going, really? We have an oil shortage? Really? Hmm. any rate, so now gas prices are going way up, and I'm going, you just can't catch a break. But that's the world we live in. It's always going to be something, isn't it? Think about it. It's always going to be something. I can just go over my life. There's always something going on. It's a major disruption. I remember gas lines when I, in the 80s in college. I remember that. Anybody remember those? Maybe not. How about 9-11? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember when Reagan was shot? How about John F. Kennedy when he was shot? Anybody? I remember those things. Everything. I mean, ever since I can look back, I look back and say, there's just something always going on that's not very good. You know why? It's the age we live in. In this world, there's going to be evil. In this world, we're going to have troubles. But Jesus says, take heart of overcoming the world, right? We always want to take heart. We always want to take heart in Jesus Christ. And I, I hope that you're saddened by all this. I am. But it is the reality that we face. Now, John gives us a test about the, the Antichrist we want to get to. Uh, speaking of tests, I, I, it reminds me of a story of a test. An English teacher asked Ted, who wasn't paying attention, he was a high schooler, to name two pronouns. Taken aback and not ready for the question, Ted said, who, me? Teacher said, very good. 
Yeah, some of you got that real fast. We can't muddle through the test for Antichrist. We can't. We got to know. We got to know what's going on here a little bit, okay? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, uh, we're told this. Who is a liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person, such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has a Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So here's a simple assessment test. Antichrists are the ones who deny Jesus is the Christ. They're against Christ. They're antichrist. They're opposed to Christ. That's a simple rule of thumb. When you know someone's opposed to Jesus Christ, be on guard. Amen? Take what they are saying with an understanding of where they're coming from and their perspective on life. Now, I don't recommend you go around saying to someone who's denying Christ, oh, you're an antichrist. That's probably not going to win you any friends. But you need to know this for yourself. You need to be aware that this source probably isn't a good source. Okay? Amen? And they're going to say things that are probably going to be detrimental to me and my faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the application. See the world as it really is. That's, that's what John is just saying. See the world as it really is. Understand the age you live in. Understand that there's many antichrists at work saying things opposed to Jesus Christ. Um, this present age is characterized by wars and rumors of wars and evil. Jesus said it would be, right? So what happens to me is when I see all this stuff going on, I go, okay, Jesus, you said it'd be like this. And it actually increases my faith. Because how would a man 2,000 years ago, just a mere man, predict that we'd be characterized by wars and rumors of wars unless he was God's son? So even as I see this stuff unfolding, it still draws me back to my faith in Jesus Christ, and I pray it does that for you too. Um, Satan is masterful at distorting truth. That's a challenge for us as followers. Uh, he twists it, and it looks almost right. Um, I have a little drawing here that I did for you. Um, that is, is, it's, a, it's a kind of a fun little drawing to look at. You have to blur your eyes a little bit, but you'll see the cubes pop back and forth on this thing if you do it. There's a, in the middle here, I'll walk over here and maybe help you. Um, the middle one looks like a cube sticking out, and then it looks like it's a floor, and the two cubes are sticking up. Do you see that? Up, uh, up. And if you blur a little bit, it goes back and forth. It's really kind of fun to mess around with your eyes like that, okay? Do you see it? You see what's going on? A lot of you see it? Yeah. And if you don't, you're still nodding your head yes, right? Um, but, but this is, to me, how Satan deceives. He takes something that is close to, to right and distorts it, all right? And he makes it look acceptable to us. You know, think about some of the big lies of Satan that, uh, they're, they're kind of close. In fact, one commentary said, to, said it this way, um, the, the, worst kind of, the worst kind of distortion is something that's almost true. It's usually what gets people, because it sounds like it should be right. Um, I mean, think about the big things that are promoted right now. People are basically good. What do you think of that statement? Are they basically good? No. We're sinful, and we all fall short of the glory of God. But we're created in the image of God, right? So we have this reflectiveness of God going on even in our fallen condition. So it's close, right? You follow what I'm saying? It's not true. It's not accurate. 
It's the wrong starting, starting point. And it's just, you can go through so many things that are said like that, you know. Do you really think we can do anything we put our mind to? Because that's said all the time. Usually by the winning athletic team, but then there's about 100 that lost. Did they not put their mind to it or what? I'm just being sarcastic here. Um, one of the things that John is saying here um, is that Antichrists have come. Know that they come. Know that they're going to deceive, and they're really good at deceiving, okay? So we're going to leave that point. We're going to go to the second point here, second fact to face. Christ is the great divide that causes division. Christ is the great divide that causes division among people. Um, John noted, some have left us. And it's with a kind of a, a, a tone of sadness. Some have left us. They've gone out from us. They didn't come back because they weren't of us. Basically, what John is saying is, some in the church here have left because they didn't really know Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the great divide. You're either for him, right? Or what? You're against him. You're either receiving him or you're rejecting him. I want to say that until I perish, friends. Either you're rejecting Christ or you're receiving Christ. There is no neutrality when it comes to Jesus Christ. Um, So many try to reside somewhere in between. Just imagine you have a battle going on. You have one side over here and one side over here shooting. Where's the worst place to be? In the middle. And that's where a lot of people try to reside when it comes to Christ. And they wonder why they have no peace, why they have anxiety, why they're all mixed up. It's because you're getting shot at, man, all over the place. Pick a side, land there, pick the side of Christ, and land on the side of Christ. I mean, um, a lot of confusion in life is avoided if you simply side up strongly with Jesus Christ. We have a a DVD teaching here that I want us to look at. Um, It's about a guy named uh, Gabriel, and uh, uh, just watch this, and I I have a, a point I want to make from it that I think will be apparent at the end of it, so go ahead. The point of this testimony that I hope you take away is that the moment he got to, he said, I'm just breaking ties with my old life totally. We're going to burn it. And sometimes that's the best thing that we can do in our lives. We, can just, we just got to get to the point where we say, I'm done. I'm done trusting these old ways. I'm done trusting these old sources, and I'm just going to burn it. Amen? And I'm going to be totally sold out to you, God. And so here's our application question for this point. Um, is God your only hope? Only option. See, your only option in life. When we get to that place, that's a good place. And that's what John's trying to steer us towards in the scripture that we read this morning. He's saying, listen, face the facts. Look at life like it really is. Yeah, you live in an evil age. There's many antichrists. Be sold out to Jesus. Amen? That's the solution. Be sold out totally to Jesus Christ. He needs to be your only option. One last face the fact. Uh, point that I want to make here today, and then we'll finish up. John said in 1 John 2.20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Let me give you a little context here of why he would say, but you have the anointing from the Holy One, and you know the truth. What was going on at that time, and what John was facing off was these Gnostics. Again, and they were saying they had this secret anointing, they knew the truth, they were superior to what John was teaching and to what uh, the church was uh, uh, promoting. Um, so they were kind of claiming this, this spiritual uh, superiority. Um, um, this Nazi group had a, had a sect called the um, Nicenes. I want to talk about them for just a moment because they said this, we alone of all men are Christians who complete the mystery of the third portal and are anointed there with speechless chrism. What does that even mean, right? 
That's what we, we would all say. But they were saying we had this special anointing. We had this special secret knowledge. So you see why John uses the language, you are anointed? Do you see what he's doing here? He's directly counteracting this false teaching and this superiority kind of approach of this group that was, was subversive. Um, um, we hear such a thing today. We go, well, this is craziness. This isn't, this isn't, we wouldn't believe this. Yeah, but listen, the attack that takes place in the church is still the same today. It's always from this idea that there's superior knowledge, that Christianity is dumb and backwards and, you know, not very smart and all that kind of thing. Which brings us to this face-the-fact point, number three. Opponents of Christ will often claim superior knowledge, but you must hold fast to the revealed truth of the Bible. Um, I knew that this message would be getting kind of heavy a little bit, so I got a little fun exercise. Sometimes people just aren't as smart as they think they are. And much of our culture is just not as smart as it thinks it is, okay? I want to just show you some fun examples, all right? You, you ready for this? You okay with this? Because this is what we're doing. So I want, to, I want to wonder if any of you have succumbed to any of these things yourself. When I was a young man, I went to the Fouché Tower. You remember that? In, in, in the cities, the big tall tower. And I was told, don't drop any coins over the side of the tower because you could kill somebody below. Is that true? Good for you. You know it's not true. Same with the Empire State Building. If you drop a penny, it weighs one gram. It flops around. There's so much air friction that it never reaches a very, it never gets fast like a bullet. They would say, well, it would be like a bullet. Nope, not going to be like a bullet, friends. It's going to ding you on the head and smart a little bit. But it won't penetrate your skull into your brain. Because I was told that. That's not true. All right? Do you think you see the Great Wall of China from space? No, we have satellites. No. Some of you are going, I don't know about that one. Okay. How about this, parents? Did you ever say to your kids, and kids, did your parents ever say this? Quit cracking your knuckles, you'll give yourself arthritis. Huh? Not true. You're not crack away, but it's a really annoying habit. So... If you want to bug somebody, sit there and go, snap, snap, snap. I mean, when I'm around somebody, I go, stop it. Anyway, no gum doesn't take seven years to digest in your stomach. First of all, it won't stay in your stomach for seven years, amen? Gum, by the way, you don't digest it. You can't. It just passes through like everything else in a couple days. So don't tell your kids, don't swallow your gum. It'll stay in your stomach for seven years. If that was the case, our stomachs would get really large with stuff that was... Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Here's really good news for you spider haters. Anybody hate spiders in here? No, you don't swallow eight spiders a year in your sleep. That's a myth. That doesn't happen. If you snore especially, they won't come anywhere near you. Your snoring drives them away. That's what studies have actually found. And no, you're not going to just eat them. Has nobody else ever heard these things beside me? You go... Really? That doesn't sound true. And so all I'm doing is having a little fun here, but understand this. A lot of what's presented as truth today, wow, watch out for it. What's its real source? If it's coming from an antichrist source, it's meant to be subversive to your faith. And frequently, it has no merit or truth to it whatsoever. Um, John reminds his readers, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. 
He's saying, you're the one anointed, not these ones, not the, not the um, ones of the Gnostics who claiming they have the anointing. He said, no, no, you who are Christ's followers, you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and you know what's true, amen? I remember how this began to work in my life even before I knew or understood what was going on. I gave my life to Christ as a teenager, went off to college. I thought, well, I should go to church. You know, figure this out. I'm, so I'm a freshman at Carleton College in Northfield, Minnesota, um, and I found a little Baptist church, and I went there the first Sunday, and they had a church split. Right there. I never experienced anything like that in my life. They stood up in the church, and they argued. And they fought, and the church split, and I thought, I'm never going to go back there again, I guess. You know what I mean? I don't think I'd want to do that. I have too much of that reality at home, Amen. And so uh, I thought the next week, I'll go to the church on campus. Uh, you got to understand, I'm new to faith, right? I don't know what I'm doing. That, that church was a Unitarian church. Some of you are going, oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no. I didn't know what it was. But I remember I walked into that church, and I remember a voice saying to me very clearly, get out of here. You don't belong here. I didn't know why. I had no idea what was going on. All I knew was the strong urging, leave, leave now. And the guy got up and said something that was really off the wall. I said, okay, I'm going to listen to that voice in my head, which was the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm leaving this place right now. And you can research for yourself what's wrong with the Unitarian Church. But okay, at any rate, um, that's how the Spirit works. If you're a Christ follower, what do you have? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. Does he speak to you? Absolutely. Listen to the voice. Amen? Listen to what he's saying to you. Um, At any rate, John says here, remain in Christ. Remain in Christ, and in doing so, you remain in the Father. And then the promise of eternal life will be proven to be true in your life. Um, and so I just want to conclude with a couple of thoughts on how to remain in Christ. One, internalize the truth of Jesus Christ. Just internalize the truth of Jesus Christ. Read its word. Know its word. Internalize it. Right now, I'm on a, I'm on a kind of a exercise kick. I go through these seasons in my life, and so I've been exercising a lot. And what I do is I listen to the, my Bible, you know, on my phone, right? I put my earbuds in, listen to massive amounts of Scripture while I'm working out. A lot of blood flow through my brain. I actually hear it, you know, and, and, and it helps it, the, the, that to go. But I, I'm amazed by that process, and I know I've said this before to you, I'm amazed how that changes my understanding of things. And I thought, oh yeah, that's right, I remember that. Oh yeah, I know this, why, 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 you know, why don't I remember this? That's why you listen, you listen to internalize a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, okay? Secondly, reason from the truth of Christ and look at the world through the truth of Christ. That's what we're doing today. We shouldn't be surprised by wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said that was going to happen between his first and second appearing. We're told this is an evil age we're living. We shouldn't be surprised when our car windows get smashed in or a van disappears. It's probably towed. I'm hoping it's towed. Okay, you follow what I'm saying? We shouldn't be surprised by such things. And then live by the truth of Jesus Christ. Just order your life by the truth of Christ, which brings us to, to point number two when it comes to remaining. Purposefully and continually call the truth of Christ to your mind and let it direct your life. And let it direct your life. Always let it direct your life. I have a simple rule of thumb in my life. God's word always proves itself to be true. It always does. And even at the moment, if I don't understand something, and there seems to be some things contrary to it, they will be proven to be false. Because God's word is always true. Amen? And I have found that to be the case 
all throughout my life. And I pray that you just pick up that perspective then, that you purposely and continually call the truth of Christ to your mind and let it direct your lives. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to close with a song today, all right? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, I want to thank you for these words of John. They're just timely words for us as Christ followers because we experience a lot of this, Lord, right now. It's going on. I think of the Russian-Ukraine war, Lord, and all the talk and discussion and frustration surrounding that issue. And Wars have been going on for thousands of years now, Lord, just like you said they would. And I think of all these tragedies that happen and all these bad things that happen. And yeah, that's a natural consequence of sin in the sin-soaked world, Lord. And I pray that we'd face these facts that John presents to us today, that this is the reality that we live in. And it's not that we have a fatalism, Lord, but it's that we understand what we're up against and we understand who we should listen to. And Lord, we are grateful that in you we're more than conquerors. And in you, Lord Jesus, we can, you know, do what you've called us to do. We can be a catalyst. We can be, a, a, you know, a culture changer. But we have to understand. We have to understand that we can't make peace with those things that are contrary to you. We can't try to just let it go. We have to understand the stand, that we have to stand fast against this stuff. And we have to trust in you and remain in you on purpose, Lord. So I pray that we'd be the people of God you called us to be, that we'd stand fast in the Lord Jesus Christ that uh, we would face the facts of life, but that these wouldn't uh, govern us, Lord. They wouldn't cause us to, to give up, but rather they would cause us to hope in you and hope in you alone, Jesus. May we give you our undivided loyalty, Jesus. May you be our king and our only hope. And I pray now, Lord, as we close out in prayer, that you would bless this time. I pray you would anoint every single person here with the person of the Holy Spirit, that we would know truth, and that truth would direct our lives, Lord. We love you so very much, Jesus. Thank you that you came to save us and that you came and shed your blood for us. Lord, we're so grateful for you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.